0: please be advised that all video and audio recordings were completed before the COVID-19 pandemic. Black Female Project. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Black Female Project podcast. This is Che Abram. In this episode, we are interviewing Dr. Adiomi Jones. And before I get into her story, I just want to share you a little bit about my story that fits, I think, beautifully with this. So when I was an undergrad, I had a beautiful opportunity to visit a dear friend of mine who was attending Dr. Jones's HBCU in Atlanta, Georgia. And I spent one week there and it literally changed my entire life. It was the first time that I saw textbooks written by black professors. It was the first time I was in classrooms with black professors. I sat in on an economics class at Morehouse and I was just kind of blown away by the conversation and seeing this mass amount of black young people having fun and enjoying their youth, but also like handling business and getting those degrees and doing whatever. And I brought my little self back to California and I went from basically almost failing out of undergrad to being a 4.0 student. So when she talks so much about how much it meant for her to go to that school, I totally understood everything that she is talking about and the power that is at an HBCU, like the one she attended. Her experience there, taught her that being there was affirming her goals. And it also taught her to appreciate the diversity within the black community, which is something I think we don't think about very heavily is that even though I'm a black woman and you're a black woman, you know, we have differences that we need to step back and appreciate. Probably my most favorite thing that she talks about is she knew early on that she liked to make decisions. she liked to be in charge. So she chose a career path where she could be the one who executed those decisions. And with that, that career path gives her the constant ability to pivot when her life needs to transition. So I hope when you listen to this episode and you're, or you're watching this episode, that you two get that same sense, that same affirmation about looking at where you are in your life right now and understanding the beauty that is the decisions you made to have you where you are. Because that in and of itself is affirming and we need to remind ourselves of that on a daily basis. Here we go. So when did
1: you decide you wanted to be a physician? I mean, did it hit you one day you you woke up and said,
2: this is me? I decided really early on that I wanted to be a doctor Why was that? I think there were a couple of different things I think one of them was I grew up in a household where we weren't allowed to watch TV often and when we did watch TV we could only watch specific shows and one of them was the Cosby show and a different world okay. and so just having some exposure to that I don't know if you remember but um Dr. Huxtable was an obstetrician on that show and mm, I mean, that was the first time that I actually saw an African-American as a doctor. Mm-hmm. And it also helped to open my mind to that possibility that like, yeah, I could, I could do that too. Were well, um, you into
1: science too?
2: I was definitely into science. I was more so into reading, but I liked school overall. And as I got older, I, even in middle school, thought about the fact that I liked being a part of other people's lives. That was important to me. I wanted to do some type of work that I thought was meaningful. I wanted to do some type of work that I thought um, I could give back to my community. And I liked interacting with people. I liked relationships. And so I really saw being a physician as an entry point into people's lives and a a way to help them in a real and tangible way. Exactly. So what else do you do? So we do pediatrics, so we see children. We do geriatrics, so we take care of older people.
1: So you do prenatal and postnatal? We
2: do prenatal and postnatal as well, yeah. And we also get to take care of adults, which touches on internal medicine. And we do a lot of preventative medicine, a lot of adolescent medicine.
1: That's what I want to... Now, what kind of... Because to me, if you get in front of any kind of problem, it's a better perspective than... You know, trying to put the whole cow back in the barn. Mm -hmm. So now, what what preventive medicine do
2: you you specialize in? So preventative medicine encompasses a lot of things. It can include sexual health. So talking to people about their practices, but also talking to people about their identity and who they see themselves as. For, Um, For example? For example, it could be understanding your own body and what issues you have with that, and any embarrassments that you have with that, and any questions that you have about that. Um, talking to people about what's going on in their mind, how they see themselves, how they feel about and themselves.
1: Open to that, talking to you. people, you know, it's private.
2: Yeah, it like is. People. But I do often comment to people that one of the things that I love about my job is that even as a perfect stranger people are willing to talk with me and divulge secrets to me that they might not have told anyone else.
1: Because patient. Privilege, yeah. privilege.
2: It's the relationship. It's inherent in the relationship mm-hmm. that this is a person who you'll be able to talk to and who's not going to be shocked, who's not going to kick you out of their office, but who's going to allow you to have a space to kind of discuss whatever issues you want to talk about.
1: And what, what have been some of your biggest surprises in talking with people? Maybe, you know, young ladies or young men. Teenagers.
2: Yeah, I feel like I'm always surprised in a good way about how open and honest people are with me. I think it's an internal barrier where it's like, I need to make this person feel like I can understand them, or where I relate to them, or if they don't see themselves in me, they're not going to talk with me, but that's actually not true. So I'm able to talk to a range of people, people of different classes, people of different backgrounds and nationalities, and people are pretty open and honest. Well,
1: you're an open and honest person, so I think I that reflects. So how was Spellman?
2: Spelman was awesome. I should say awesome sauce. Okay, Spelman was <laughs> Spelman. <laughs> Spelman, was, Spelman was once in a lifetime. Really? Yeah.
1: Why?
2: It's one of the best decisions I ever made.
1: So why is that?
2: A couple of reasons. One is because I've always wanted to go to Spelman, and so it felt great to be at Spelman, knowing that I had worked towards going to Spelman as a goal, and then arriving there. Strategize. It's, she yeah had to
1: do to get
2: there. it's affirming it's affirming to meet your your goals and that's something that I've taken with me in other areas of my life small goals or big goals it's affirming to meet your goals I agree. and so getting to Spelman just even being there the reputation of Spelman of course preceded my actual entrance into Spelman but I could not wait to go to Spelman and it lived up to all my expectations
1: what did you expect Spelman to be like
2: I expected it to be what it was, which is a place for me as an African-American female to learn and grow, um, to embrace my own community, to understand diversity in different ways. Did
1: they have any diversity at Spelman?
2: Yes, they did. They did? So when you go to Spelman, one thing that you will learn is that diversity does not just include race. So that's a barrier that you have to get over in your own mind because you feel like, okay, I'm around all these other black women. They're just like me. But being able to appreciate and understand the diversity within our own community actually helps you appreciate diversity overall. Mm -hmm. Because you start looking at people as people and then how you can develop touch points with them. And the fact that I'm another black woman is definitely a strong connection and touch point. But that doesn't mean you're exactly like me. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean your experiences were the same. It doesn't mean that you like the same music. It doesn't mean that you have the same goals. It doesn't mean that you see the, the problem the same way I see it. So I still have to talk to you. I still have to get to know you. I still have to take an interest in you. You know, and that's something that Spelman teaches you through experience. And it stays with you.
1: Well, the women I've met from Spelman are very dynamic and focused. And it seems like there's a lot of support, uh, alumni support. And so um, it's kind of a nurturing place.
2: It is. It is. It's a very nurturing place. It's It's a warm nest, is what I would say. So then you
1: went to Howard.
2: So then I went to Howard,
1: and that was for medical school. I went
2: to Howard for medical school,
1: and
2: it was different. (laughs) It was different. It was very different. How so? Spelman is a college, so it's small and um, it's single-minded in how it wants to enhance African American women. Howard is a university, so it's a lot larger. And going there for graduate school, the focus of why you're there is the graduate school. It's not the experience of Howard University. It's the experience of the College of Medicine.
1: Get some skills there.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And also Howard University College of Medicine attracts more than African-Americans, more than black people in general, because at the end of the day, people are trying to become physicians. And so, you know, there's a saying that MD equals MD. So they're trying to go somewhere right. where they can get the degree that they need. So you have people from all over.
1: Wow. Mm-hmm. What would you say the percentage of um, black candidates at Howard Medical
0: School?
2: At the time when I was at Howard, I would say we were about 60% black. Really? Hmm maybe sixty five percent
1: and then the rest
2: the rest were Asian, white, foreign. Latino, mm, there were very few foreign students, there were a lot of African students um that's included in you know the black population, did they but think they tend
1: because your name
2: <laughs> they did they definitely did, they definitely did, and some were disappointed when I'm like, Aww. I'm not Nigerian, I mean it's you know they're trying to connect and find community as well, sure. And sometimes you can only do that when you first find your specific community and then you get comfortable enough to find larger community. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting yeah. within the Black community, yeah. different nationalities and how they express themselves, Definitely. different ethnic groups, and the diversity within the Black community. It's a mess. It is. I mean, it is. And it shouldn't be underappreciated. Yeah. I think it just needs to be talked about in a way where it's respectful of all, and the differences are not used against one another, but just in explaining one another.
1: Well, you, you can celebrate yeah. richness of difference. Yeah.
2: You yeah. Know? yeah.
1: So I want to talk about your English teacher. I think that's sweet <laughs> that you still. No,
2: that's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. She's how how did
1: she like bring you out and help you?
2: Well, Miss Barnby is her name, and um, she was just a dynamic teacher. I love to read and I love to write. And she was a teacher who loved to teach and she loved to teach what she was teaching. And it was obvious. And she took an interest in students who were interested in her subject matter. And she showed herself to be very broad in her understanding of literature of writing of writing styles she wasn't just a teacher who was about classic works she was interested in contemporary work and it was obvious that she was learning as well and you can appreciate that because then you feel like you're talking to somebody else who likes literature right not just somebody else who knows everything and you're trying to figure it out And I appreciated that vulnerability about her. And she's just a very nice person. Just a warm person overall. And
1: you stay in touch
2: with her. Yeah, I do stay in touch with her. I think that's
1: so nice, so Mm -hmm. respectful.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Do you notice something missing right now? That something is you. We would love to have you sponsor the podcast and share your work with our Black Female Project family. To learn more, email info at blackfemaleproject.org now. Back to our
2: episode.
1: Now, um, you're on the board of the Delta Peninsula Foundation. Right. Tell me about that. That's also like a homecoming,
2: huh? Yeah. So I was really fortunate in high school to be able to get scholarships, Menlo Atherton High School. I went to MA, Uh otherwise known as Mac Academy. but. I received a scholarship from the Delta Sigma Thetas when I was a senior in high school. Is
1: that the Deltas that wear
2: red? Okay. Yeah, the black, (laughs) them. My
1: family's AKS. Okay, okay, Okay. in case you didn't know,
2: (laughs) the black sorority Delta Sigma Theta, yes. And what was so outstanding about this group is that they were looking for an African-American female to promote and support. So, when I received a scholarship from them, even though I appreciated the scholarships from all the different organizations that I got, it felt like I was getting a scholarship from family members, you know, which was really... Do they believe in you. Yeah. Yeah. And and they were proud of me because they saw themselves in me, you know, and that's something that's special. That's something that tethers you to a person or an organization. organization. And they gave me a four-year scholarship, which is different. So congratulations. Yeah, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to graduate from Spelman in three years. Look at you. <laughs> Why were you in such a hurry? Because I didn't have money. So, okay. so when I went to Spelman, I took as many classes as I could every semester. I wasn't trying to graduate early. I was trying to get it all in. I was trying not to waste any money. Smart. Um, yeah. Very smart, it allowed me to be in a situation where I could graduate early. So I asked them if they would allow me to use that fourth year of scholarship money towards my med school education, and they said, Of course,
1: girl, you like a Wall Street trader. <laughs> I like that,
2: you know. I was like you, a person made, who you, didn't have money, no,
1: but, <laughs> but you made it work for you, yeah. You know,
2: I appreciated that, you know, they didn't have to, you know, it's they nice had technically met their goal of seeing me through college, but they allowed me to use that fourth year towards my first year of medical school.
1: Well, why, I mean, I think that's a beautiful story because of course, why wouldn't they want to support you? You, you finished what you had to do mm-hmm. and you moved on to the next phase. So mm-hmm. that's money in the bank. Yeah, That's an investment.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So being so able to neat. come back and be on the board, the same group who gave me money when I was in high school. It's like, wow. It's a full circle. Full circle.
1: Yeah,
2: that's a full, full circle. circle.
1: So now, when, when does your day start and what do you do? I know, right? Because you have children, a husband. I do. Just tell me everything.
2: <laughs> <laughs> my day starts when my kids wake up Bye? and I open one eye. Uh, <laughs> about 5 a.m.? It's about 6.30, okay. 6.30, which isn't horrible. Oh. But depending on what time I went to bed, it could be torture. Okay. Um, so it starts with them when they oh, wake okay. up. So I have a son who's three. That's Mediva. Oh, and I have a daughter okay. who's one and that's Nairobi. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. That good. Yeah.
1: Okay. So now you,
2: you get them up. I get them up. My husband gets up. He's a morning person. So he might already be up. We get them ready for daycare or school. Sometimes my daughter stays with me in the morning time. And then I'm able to start my day, start checking emails, start checking phone calls, getting ready for work or whatever meetings that I have. If I can squeeze it in, I take some time with my daughter to walk around or go to a park or do something with her. I want to treasure these moments while she's young.
1: You go up so fast. I know.
2: I know. I know.
1: So then what's a typical
2: work day? I don't really have a typical work day. Oh, that's cool. Just really good for now. Um, Because of what I'm doing, which is doing some medical consulting for a company that opened up in El Cerrito, California, I'm able to work from home for part of the day. Sometimes I do actually have meetings where I have to be there face to face or go into the location. So depending on that, I'm able to structure my day. If there's some things that I need to do at home first, I'm able to do them. If I need to go to my son's daycare or spend some extra time with my daughter, I'm able to find ways to do time to do that as well. So it's not like every day is the same.
1: Consulting. What do you consult?
2: So it's a... So it's a three D, forty prenatal ultrasound studio, and what they're trying to do is understand what are the best practices that they can use to um, draw in clients and retain clients and provide the service. So that's pretty cool, being able to work with moms who are about to have a baby and how they're going to see their baby or how they're going to find out the baby's gender or you know how their family is preparing for the baby. Um, it's pretty cool.
1: So are most people? Uh Waiting to find out the gender or they want to know.
2: Most people want to know right they do. right then and there. Well, yes. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> you're either going to nurse the hurt <laughs> or you're going to celebrate. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, mm. you would be a nice person to talk to, you know, and, and comforting. Because, <laughs> I mean, having a baby is scary.
2: Yeah, it can Especially be. Especially the first time. Yeah, it can be a very scary experience, and a lot of people are unsure of how it's going to change their life because you don't know how it's going to change your life. Yeah, just get with it.
1: So, five years from now, what do you want to be doing?
2: So, five years from now, I want to be doing some more work around health policy specifically. I want to be doing some work about how policies are implemented in different communities and
1: stuff like
2: that. Maybe it could be that or it could be on more on a local level in terms of how are we carrying out some of these preventative policies okay. that we wanna have on the books. Right. How what does it actually look like?
1: And you do statistics and see how yeah. things are
2: going. Yeah. But also the conversation about what health means has expanded over time. And I'm interested to see in five years where that conversation will be going. Um, There's a lot of emphasis now on mental health, which I think is great. But there was a time when, when you talked about health, you were only talking about a person's physical body.
1: But mental is physical.
2: Now we appreciate that. But there was a time when it wasn't appreciated to the level that it is now. You definitely hear more people talking about mental and behavioral health issues in the context of healthcare, versus a time when that was really taboo or that was really under the table or it was just seen as a total separate entity right. that wasn't really up for public discussion.
1: Well, it's a good thing things have changed because you got to be stable yeah, you know, to function and be your best you. Yeah. So uh, what would you tell the young ladies that you know, are thinking about going into medical school or the medical field in some way, what advice would you have? You know, just in general.
2: Yeah. In general, I would say to do it and to do it step by step. I think, you know, it can sound overwhelming when you consider the amount of school that you have to complete and the amount of training that you have to complete. So when I was in the sixth grade, was I thinking, man, I want to be in school for an additional 12 years. No, I wasn't thinking that, but you graduate eighth grade, then you graduate high school, then you graduate college and you just take it step by step. I would also say that being in the medical field is a great way of ensuring that you will have a career versus just having a job. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important to think about being able to pivot when your life pivots, being able to transition. Yeah, and having a degree in medicine and working in the medical field gives me that flexibility. Specifically about being a doctor, what I like to tell people is that if you're the type of person where you like to be in charge and you like to make decisions, (laughs) you need to know that about yourself. (laughs) You need to know that about yourself. And that's one thing that I do enjoy in terms of In terms of being a physician, I enjoy being able to make the decisions that get executed. That's important to me and that's something that drives me even in in learning more about medicine and staying current about medicine. The weight and the responsibility of it is heavy, which gives you a lot of work to do, but it's also very rewarding. How
1: do you relax?
2: Then I relax with my kids, getting on the floor with them, playing games. Um, I relax by reading. I still love to read. Yeah, I still love to read. still love to read. Um, I relax by watching films. I like foreign films, but I also like you know just regular films as well. And then I just relax with good company. Good for you. Yeah, just good old school company.
1: Well, as you say, you have a holistic approach to, to with, but you have a holistic approach to life, I think, Yeah. And yeah. it serves you well. Yeah. Let me ask you one last question. Sure. Who would you put on your black female Mount Rushmore? Wow. Four,
2: four, figures. four figures. Four figures. Wow. That's such a weighty question. And I have so to think that over all of time.
1: Just impressionistic.
2: Hmm. I would definitely put Sojourner Truth on there.
1: Ain't I a woman?
2: Yeah, I really appreciate her message. Yeah. And I really appreciate the expansion of thought. Um, at a time when it's just like you were thinking about that back then.
1: She was at that feminist. Yeah. You know, with Katie Stanton. Oh my gosh. And she addressed them and said, ain't I a woman? I loved
2: it. Yeah. So I would definitely put her on there. Number one. I would put Toni Morrison on there as well. I appreciate her artistry and her mind. I would put my grandmother on there. I have two grandmothers. Maybe they put both on I there. would I to have to <laughs> I have to put both of them on. I have two dynamic grandmothers, only one who's still currently alive, which is why I say that. Mm. I think I might put Michelle Obama. I know that's an obvious choice, but I think, i think she's still a good choice i think she's definitely, still a good choice
1: definitely. thank you abayomi for coming in
2: oh yeah thank you for having me
1: and tell them where they can get a hold of you
2: you can get a hold of me multiple places on linkedin on facebook on instagram abayomi jones abayomi jones md and i would love to connect with you
1: but you're not that mrs jones are you no. With billy paul
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> black female project we invite you to learn more about the women in this episode black female project and ways to support the project by going to www.blackfemaleproject.org